to say, but there it stared me in the face, that sinister addition to an invitation. Don't come. Had it been added by this unknown uncle of mine, on account of some sudden change in his plans? Surely that was inconceivable, for why in that case should he send the invitation at all? Or was it placed there by someone else who wished to warn me from accepting this offer of hospitality? The letter was in French. The warning was in English. Could it have been added in England, but the seals were unbroken, and how could anyone in England know what were the contents of the letter? And then... As I sat there with a big sail humming like a shell over my head and the green water hissing beside me, I thought over all that I'd heard of this uncle of mine. My father, the descendant of one of the proudest and oldest families in France, had chosen beauty and virtue rather than rank in his wife. Never for an hour had she given him cause to regret it. But this lawyer brother of hers had, as I understood, offended my father by his slavish obsequiousness in days of prosperity and his venomous enmity in the days of trouble. He had hounded on the peasants until my family had been compelled to fly from the country and had afterwards aided Robespierre in his worst excesses, receiving as a reward the castle and estate of Grosbois, which was our own. At the fall of Robespierre he had succeeded in conciliating Barat, and through every successive change he still managed to gain a fresh tenure of the property. And now it appeared from his letter that the new Emperor of France had also taken his part, though why he should befriend a man with such a history, and what service my Republican uncle could possibly render to him, were matters upon which I could form no opinion. <laughs> and now you will ask me, no doubt, why I should accept the invitation of such a man— a man whom my father had always stigmatized as a usurper and a traitor. It's easier to speak of it now than then. But the fact was that we of the new generation felt it very irksome and difficult to carry on the bitter quarrels of the last. To the older émigrés, the clock of time seemed to have stopped in the year 1792. And they remained forever with the loves and the hatreds of that era fixed indelibly upon their souls. They had been burned into them by the fiery furnace through which they had passed. But we who had grown up upon a strange soil understood that the world had moved and that new issues had arisen. We were inclined to forget these feuds of the last generation. France, to us, was no longer the murderous land of the sans-culotte and the guillotine basket— was rather the glorious queen of war, attacked by all and conquering all, but still so hard-pressed that her scattered sons could hear her call to arms forever sounding in their ears. It was that call, more than my uncle's letter, which was taking me over the waters of the channel. For long my heart had been with my country in her struggle, and yet while my father lived I had never dared to say so. For to him who had served under Condé and fought at Quiberon, it would have seemed the blackest treason. But after his death, there was no reason why I should not return to the land of my birth. And my desire was the stronger because Eugenie, the same Eugenie who has been thirty years my wife, 
was of the same way of thinking as myself. Her parents were a branch of the De Choiseul, and their prejudices were even stronger than those of my father. Little did they think what was passing in the minds of their children. Many a time when they were mourning a French victory in the parlour, we were both capering with joy in the garden. There was a little window, all choked round with laurel bushes, in the corner of the bare brick house, and there we used to meet at night, the dearer to each other from our difference with all who surrounded us. I would tell her my ambitions, she would strengthen them by her enthusiasm, and so all was ready when the time came. But there was another reason, besides the death of my father and the receipt of this letter from my uncle, Ashford was becoming too hot to hold me.